everybody, and welcome to the Going Up Cast, your occasional feel-good podcast. Where this week we're going to talk about a whole bunch of things all at once. That's right. It's been a little while since I recorded anything. To be perfectly honest with you, I will describe this period as a break. In hindsight, um, I've been doing a lot of stuff, but none of it's been recorded. So now I'm going to sit here for about an hour. And I'm going to talk about all the stuff that it's been going on. It's not just crap I've done. I just want to point that out. There's other stuff going on. But before we get into that, I just wanted to real quick make a a small announcement to the channel. Channel. Website. Uh, You may, if you've been to the Going Up cast at all, you'll know that there is a store on there. Um, I'm thinking, and and here's, here's my thought process. I want to put those movie commentary tracks... Um, on the site for free so I think we're gonna do that and um, I think once again we we may be going away with the store or I might be putting something else on there maybe things will be on there for like timed exclusives like ahead of time and you can buy it early and then maybe after a little while it'll be free I'm not entirely sure but there's content on there that normal people who don't want to spend money you know can't access so maybe I'll just put it up there and y'all can just have it Think that's think that's my process, cause fucking why not? Let's just go for it. Let's just do a live. We're, that's that's this that's this episode. I might even put in any edits in this episode. I'm kidding. I'll put in I'll put in some some musical breaks like this one for instance. One of my favorite things that I uh, went a long time without doing was Lego, and I frequent malls more often than I would have expected in ever and occasionally I think there's at least two I can think of near me that have Lego stores and my god that's just the most goddamn tempting thing in the world because I'm a big puzzle guy and Lego is Legos aren't Legos aren't puzzles they can be if you don't follow the instructions it's like the hardest goddamn puzzle you've ever seen in your goddamn life I can't even fathom what it would be like to build a Lego set and have it match, like, what it's supposed to be, like, one-to-one without the instructions. It's more like miniature Ikea with thousands of more pieces. And they're usually whimsical. Um, when I was a kid, I used to love Lego. I was never a big fan of just, like, here's a bunch of Legos, build whatever you want. I could make some stuff, you know, and I definitely have the creativity to make some stuff, but it was always more like... I enjoyed the assembly challenge more than the Legos being like a creative tool. Um, at least that was just my thing. You know, I had other things for creativity like wooden blocks, Duplo. But yeah, so I, I got a couple of Lego sets um, recently. It was the, the Medieval Blacksmith set, which was like 22, roughly 100 pieces. I think it's like 2184 or something like that. Um, and the reason I got that set, besides it looking right as hell, um, is because there's a small part of my brain that was like, I could probably use that in a D&D game as like a, as a setting thing. And, um, I actually, actually wondering if, um, if there was a Lego tavern set, like a, like a big old, um, yeah, there's, so there's a medieval tavern on Lego ideas that's in the same theme as the, uh, as the blacksmithing thing. So, in case you don't know what Lego Ideas is, um, there are 
dozens of Lego sets that have been made recently that were essentially community generated. And um, both the, the Lego Blacksmith, Medieval Blacksmith set and the Winnie the Pooh tree set, which I also got, were from Lego Ideas. Um, essentially, yeah, people like go on there and they like build the set and they go like, here it is. Here's what it looks like. And they, they show you like the inside and then people vote on if it's a good one. And if it passes its 10,000 um, uh, person necessity, essentially, um, it then gets up to approval by Lego itself. And if it's approved by Lego, then they will design it and build it. Um, and I think the original artist gets credited and I'm sure there's some money involved in there, but I got those Lego sets and, um, I built them both over the course. I mean, uh, the Winnie the Pooh one was significantly smaller, like 1400 pieces that probably took four to five hours. I can't really remember. Blacksmith took significantly longer though. It was about eight to eight to nine hours. Um, they were both amazingly fun and I very much enjoyed the zen-like act of building lego it's not a challenge because you have the instructions right in front of you just like how ikea isn't a challenge but there's something so like um oh what's the meditative of peace peace turn page peace 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 click these together put that there and then you have a thing and i think that's that's just a lot of fun and I do love the idea of having like those big Lego set pieces as like buildings in a D&D campaign because there are quite a few like active Lego sets of buildings that you could absolutely put in a D&D game. Um, there's like a bo- uh, boutique hotel one, boutique, boutique hotel one um, that is definitely not like fantasy, but it's just like fancy slash plain enough that I think it could slide in most of my settings. So I'm pretty okay with it. Um, there's a couple of things like that that Lego's made. And, you know, I hope that tavern thing gets picked up. Here's my thing, though. Lego, to me, is, like, one of the best, like, reusable toys. You build it, you tear it down, you can build it again. It it would theoretically last a lifetime if you take care of it. I mean, Lego is expensive as fuck. And that's because you're paying a premium for, like scientifically engineered perfect building blocks right you got a fucking mega bricks you're gonna pay less but those blocks aren't gonna quite fit as perfectly together as you want them to lego you don't have that problem lego gives you a specific tool to take the lego pieces apart doesn't work on everything but it works on most things um and when when in doubt you've got nails that's what they're for nails are maybe like a sharp bladed knife you just get fucking in there cat Pick that up. Here's my thing and my plea to Lego. Your Lego bags, or your, you put your Legos in little plastic bags that have numbers on them. None of those bags are reusable. They are all one-time burn bags. That is such a waste. Because what I just did with the Winnie the Pooh and the free gift you gave me, thank you for that Lego, um, was I basically tore it down backwards, put them in reusable plastic bags, and then numbered them myself. So, by not using reusable plastic bags, Lego, you have now caused me to use two. Because there was the original bag the thing came in, and then I had to go out and buy my own reusable ones in order for that Lego set to be humanly possible to rebuild. So, we, are, we as the Lego fans, are already spending an inordinate amount of money to get the colorful plastic bricks and the instructions. 
I do not care what more it would cost for those bags to be reusable. It does not matter to me. I have already accepted that I'm going to spend an inordinate amount of money. Charge me the little bit more to make those reusable plastic bags. Lego is such a luxury item that it just doesn't compute, you know? Fucking $10 added on to a $100 product. I'm not even going to blink about it. Cool. That just means that I can put it back in the bag you provide. Like, it's it's a no-brainer to me, Lego. It is a no-brainer, goddammit. But that was a lot of fun. I very much enjoyed building those Lego sets. And then, of course, I've got a buddy of mine who very much loves Lego as well. And I'm sitting here being like, I can just, you know, rebuild the same Lego set over and over again. He's like... You're going to get more Lego sets. But the only thing that's stopping me besides funds is I don't have a good place to display them, you know? I essentially have to tear them down and put them back in their boxes because at least with the box, I can, like, slide it in a closet or under a bed and just, like, it's out of the way. But, like, the finished fucking blacksmith, where the fuck am I going to put that? I don't have any shelves. At least not empty ones. So... It's essentially what's going to have to happen is I'm going to have to tear that bastard anything back down and put it back in a box and keep it until I have a place where I can put such things on display or at least just have them finished somewhere where they're going to be. But I don't have a place like that right now. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. A couple of weeks back, I had a concert to go to and it was for a band that I have long been a fan of. But had never had the opportunity to see perform live. That band is Dragon Force. They came around to Seattle a while ago and went to a venue that I had never been to before, which is known as the Neptune Theater in the University Village of University of Washington. Opening for them was Seven Spire? Is that who it was? Maybe? Might have been Seven Spire. And Visions of Atlantis. I'm not entirely sure if it was the first band. That's definitely the second band. Whoever the first band was, they were screamo vocals, um, which I am traditionally not a big fan of, so I was just kind of like, eh, so whatever. The venue was pretty great, though, I gotta be honest. Um, very small little venue. Um, possibly thousand people, maybe. You really cram them in there. Um, but I had never been there before, and it had this old world, very strong, just to stop me if this surprises you, Neptune theming. A lot of Poseidons, a lot of water theming, that kind of stuff. Um, sound in there was pretty good. Um, I didn't wear earplugs for most of the second band, Visions of Atlantis, which was like this melodic pirate metal band, which is actually pretty good. Though their best song was their most recent song, which makes me think that their new upcoming album is going to be pretty solid, so I'm going to just wait and listen to that. Um, and then I got earplugs from the gifts, uh, gift fucking merchandise booth. There it is. I was going to say gift shop. That's not right. It's a merch booth. Got earplugs in the merch booth, and then Dragon Force came on, and they did a heck of a show. I was the perfect level of inebriated to that show to think that I could go into the mosh pit. And to be fair, I did, and I held my own. I'm significantly larger than I was in the first time I went into a mosh pit, which was like Black Label Society when they opened for Judas Priest. Who knows how many years ago? I mean, that was back when fucking Nostradamus was like a new album. It was like before Redeemer of Souls came out. This was a while ago. And I ended up in that mosh pit for Black Label Society and got my ass absolutely handed me. Me and my buddy got drowned in that mosh pit. Fortunately, metalheads are the nicest people in the fucking world. And if you go down in a mosh pit, people will pick your ass up and be like, you all right? Okay, cool. And then they shove you again. My buddy lost a shoe. 
We never found it again. He walked home that night with one shoe. That's just what happens to you in a mosh pit. So yeah, I did I did the mosh pit this time and God it was a blast. It was just it was just such a great time. Um just shoving metalheads and being shoved by metalheads and then standing in the It's cause there's there's a couple of roles you can do in a mosh pit, right? You're either not anywhere near it, so it doesn't matter to you. You're in the mosh pit, so you're just bouncing around and shoving and pushing and doing all the things. You're not throwing punches, you're just like gently shoving and you know, a lot of shoulder checking. Um, or your perimeter of the mosh pit. You're the barrier person between the folks who don't want to be in the mosh pit and the folks who don't want to leave the mosh pit. And that's also a fun place to be. Because you get a, you get the best of both worlds. You get to shove people, but you're not shoved yourself. And you're protecting all the, all the other people behind you from, from being shoved. Because they don't want to be shoved either. It's the equivalent of being in a snowball fight where you're the only person throwing snowballs and nobody's allowed to throw a snowball back at you. That's the best. Because you do you get all the, all the fun with none of the pain. So... Yeah, hip hip hooray! Dragon Force did a wonderful job. Um, I loved their uh, "My Heart Will Go On" cover. Was not expecting them to play that, but I thought that was great. And uh, yeah, it was just it was a magical time. It was me, my brother, my dad, and I mean, my brother and I have been listening to Dragon Force since like I was in middle school, you know. And to finally see them live after God fucking almost what two decades, it was fucking radical. Really good show. You ever get the chance? I'd highly recommend you check them out. Let's move on to the next thing podcast. I know it's called the Going Up Cast, and I know we always talk about things that make you happy, but I would not be doing my due diligence, my civic duty, if I did not warn you all, right here and right now, to not watch Turning Red. I and the fucking one, two, three, four other people I saw that movie with did not enjoy it. We watched it on my birthday. Yeah, it was my birthday a couple couple days ago. Thank you. Happy birthday. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, I watched it with my entire family. And what I loved about that experience was they, ahead of time, told me I was not allowed to talk during the film. I don't think it will surprise anybody out there to learn that I'm quite the chatterbox in pretty much anything. That includes movies. If something happens in a movie and I got something to say about it, you're going to hear about it. So, yeah, it was it was an agreement made ahead of time that I would not talk during this movie. Valid. Valid and fair. And so I sat there in silence, suffering through this fucking movie. Now, here's the thing. And I agree with this sentiment. I complained about this to one of my friends. And they came back at me and they were like, You're not the target audience for this movie. It's no wonder you don't like it. You're not the target audience. I've never seen a piece of media that was so restrictive to its audience in such a way, if this makes sense. I've enjoyed hundreds of pieces of media where I was not the intended audience for its reception. My Little Pony Friendship is Magic is one of the greatest examples I can think of this. Was I the intended demographic? Hell no! Is that show good? Hell yes. And whoever the intended target is, is one thing. But in my opinion, in order for something to be good, it needs to reach a wide audience. Is that necessarily the case? No. But for something like a fucking Pixar movie, you'd probably want that to be fairly universal. And granted, 
The ideas of growing up, becoming your own person, finding your identity, some of the themes of this movie, are universal. They were just done really fucking badly. It was, the like, this movie's uh, message might as well have just been the words like, growing up is hard, written on a sock and bopper, and then the movie just punches you in the face with it for an hour and 47 minutes. It's not subtle at all. Is it funny? No. Is it well written? No. Does it sound like it was supposed to be an animated TV special for a fucking Nickelodeon show rather than a feature-length movie? Yes. Because I'm pretty sure I saw this exact same plot on Fairly Odd Parents. I don't know where, but I'm pretty sure it's in there. And here's the plot of this fucking movie. So you got the main character whose name is May May or something like that. I can't fucking remember. Um, a quick pause. As much as I hate this movie... Animation-wise, it's pretty good. The fur tech on the red pandas was pretty excellent. I like the way they stylized the the human characters. I thought that was pretty good. Very a Wallace and Gromity with a lot of big, like, wide, rounded mouths. Um, very Wallace and Gromit. So I didn't mind any of that. I thought the movie looked pretty good. It was problem is what the movie was saying and doing that I had issues with. Anyway, so there's a character named Anime. And what's the worst way you can introduce a character? That character looking right at the fucking camera and being like, Hi, I'm May May. Here's everything about me you need to know in 30 seconds. No! You're just telling me things about yourself. That does not make a good movie. When was the last time you saw a movie do that? Hi, I'm Obi-Wan Kenobi. Let me tell you about- No! You didn't fucking do that. You learned about Obi-Wan Kenobi because of what he did in the movie. Not because of the shit he told the audience. God damn it. It's not stand-up comedy. It's a fucking movie. Show me who this character is through actions instead of boring-ass narration. So that was immediately off on the wrong foot. It's like the worst way to start a fucking movie. The only other worst way to start a movie, if you're not like fucking Sonic the Hedgehog where everything is so tongue-in-cheek it doesn't matter, is in media's res. Fucking like, the crow did it. And... Goddamn Deadpool did it. I hate that shit. And in Medias Res is when the movie starts like in the middle of the movie. And then the rest of like the, the first like act and a half is like a flashback. I hate that shit. Because none of the shit in that next... When you start in the middle of the movie, you lose all tension in the following act. Because we know as the audience that everything is quote unquote fine until you get back to that scene. And then the tension comes back in. But it's still like... Could have had attention the whole time if you didn't fucking pull that move. Anyway. So yeah. They start with narration. And it's fucking bullshit. And essentially Mei Mei's issue is they're like, I'm the perfect child of my parents. But I I it's I want to be me. Fair. Fair. That's a nice sentiment. Alright. I've seen that done in a lot of movies. A lot of coming of age stories. They want to be their own person. They want to find their identity. That's great. That's fine. That's whatever. Then out of nowhere, she wakes up and she's a giant red panda. And I mean like giant. Like this thing's like eight feet tall. If she was a normal sized red panda, I don't think the movie would play as well. Why is she a giant red panda? Well, according to the family legend, someone a very long time ago was like, my family's in danger. So I'm going to pray to the most ferocious animal I can think of. A red panda, which is basically a fancy raccoon to protect my family. And she was the first of the giant pandas. And every female in that family line down the way has this giant red panda power. But it's okay. Because 
There's a ritual during the full moon where we will take your panda power out of you and put it in a little tchotchke necklace that you'll wear around your neck all the time. So you remember you had superpowers, but we've wrongfully and destructively taken it away from you. And of course, during the first panda transformation, there's a lot of period confusion. Because the mom thinks, oh my god, you've become a woman. Not that you've turned into a red panda, that you've become a woman. And their excuse for never explaining to their daughter that they have a family lineage of panda power is that the mother, quote, thought she had more time. Why wouldn't you just say that? She works, you all work at your family temple where you do shit with red pandas. She even wore a fake panda suit in the beginning of the movie as part of the temple like tour. And it never came out like, oh, by the way, you're gonna turn into one of these at some point. Here's what's gonna happen. So that's going on. She's got that sort of magoo. But here's the whole crux of the movie, right? Panda shit? Secondary. This is the point of the movie. May May and her three friends want to go to a concert. It's a boy band by the name of Four Town. But because of the panda shit, her parents don't trust her to go to the concert. She might panda all over the place. Well, we can't be having that at the boy band show, right? What is Jason McGee gonna think? Not Jason. Oh, no. So the kids decide to raise the money to buy the concert tickets on their own. Whopping $200 a person. Sounds pretty expensive. Even I don't spend that much money on concert tickets. A little less, but, you know, I have my own limits. And the way they decide to make money is they whore out the panda power to all of their classmates. Come get pictures with a giant red panda. Invite this red panda to your birthday party. Woohoo! Doesn't sound like a fucking cartoon. Like, I've seen this episode somewhere. This has happened before. Thing happened in Spider-Man, right? Peter Parker said he knew Spider-Man because Ned let the secret drop and he was like, I'm going to invite Spider-Man to the party and then Spider-Man couldn't go to the party because Spider-Man had Spider-Man powers. So, anyway, the parents find out. And then she's like, all right, you got to get the fucking ritual to get the panda ripped out of you Uh, because you obviously can't be trusted with it. And so she's getting the ritual to get the panda ripped out of her and then Mamie has this classic, I'm a kid, turn heart. No, I want to keep the panda. This shit's rad. And the mom gets super mad and turns into a Godzilla-sized red panda for some reason. And the only explanation for that is the dad going, I told you it was big. But why does the size vary? Also, quick side note. The mother character in this show is the most overbearing, over-the-top, horrible mother ever in a Pixar movie. Like, it's astounding how much I hated this mother character. It was so overdone and, like, ridiculous of how, like, completely inept this mom was in terms of reading social cues. She was so unaware of her own actions and their impact they were having on her daughter and the surrounding society. Like, there's this one bit where Mei Mei was drawing essentially smut between herself and this boy that she had a crush on. So the mom thought that the drawings were from the boy. So she drags Mei Mei to the store where the guy is with the drawings and then yells at him and then she's like, stay away from my daughter, you disgusting fuck. And obviously he doesn't know what the fuck is happening because Mei Mei drew the drawings and he's just sitting there. Mei Mei is like freaking out. 
that seemed like a healthy way to handle that, mom. Because it fucking wasn't. That's the worst way you could handle that. Absolute worst way. Anyway, the 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 boy band sings a song of, of love or whatever, and they take the panda powers out of the mom, and the daughter keeps the panda powers at the end of the movie, and then the movie ends. I fell asleep during this movie at least twice. It was so bad and so boring, and I may have been a little drunk and maybe a little something else, but I don't think that has anything to do with this. I think the movie... You know why? Because my dad fell asleep, too. That's how I know. That's how I know that my 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 own level of inebriation did not impact my desire to sleep because he fell asleep too. This movie fucking sucks. If I were to give it a rating, which I will, it's a one. And the only reason it gets a one is because I did technically finish it. And the animation and the fur tech of the pandas is pretty good. That's it. It's the only redeeming factor. Is that the fur tech on the pandas looked pretty good. It's just... And what really confuses me is that it's been reviewed really highly. And I, I know you can't always trust critics, but most of the time I'm pretty in line with Rotten Tomatoes. If Rotten Tomatoes says it's like a 90% movie, I usually sit there and go, yeah, that was a pretty good movie. It's the first time in a long time I have so strongly disagreed with Rotten Tomatoes. I think the inverse of the score is what it deserves. Not 95, it deserves a 5%. It is a truly atrocious film. And I'm stunned that not more people are talking about this. Like, maybe I'm missing something. I don't think so. I think the movie really did suck. So, yeah. Am I the intended audience? No. But I still think that the movie could have been done way better than this. It was very cliche, very hackneyed, very done to death. And I say this knowing full well... That this is probably somebody's pet project of a movie that they've been working on for years. And they finally got it made by Pixar and they were so excited. And I mean it was a critical success. But I hated it. So I'm, I'm sorry. Whoever made this movie. It was, was not my cup of tea. I have no doubt that you're capable of making it a good movie. I just don't think this was it. So that's, that's what I have to say about that. Do not watch Turning Red. It is complete schlock. I wouldn't even recommend you watch it for free on Disney+. Plus. That's two hours you could spend doing something way more constructive. Like taking a nap, or fucking taking a bath, or staring at a wall and watching paint dry. All those things would be a better use of your time than watching this movie. This movie, this movie will actively take away from your life. It will not give it back. It will destroy two hours of your world. Let's move on to the next thing in podcast. on to something a bit happier and lighter let's talk about FromSoft and Elden Ring I'm a little bit behind the eight ball on this one because this game's been out for a little while but hey I wanted it for my birthday so I didn't have to spend $60 on it and boy howdy did I get it and I have played about what 10 hours I'm, I'm barely into this game you can tell when you start a game like this how many many hours you can sing to this game there's no such thing about, like, doing the main campaign. If you don't know anything about Elden Ring, well, I'm about to talk. It's essentially if Dark Souls had a baby with Breath of the Wild, and you smash that shit together, all of the difficulty and lack of lore that is easily explained to you of the Dark Souls game, with the world 
and side questing of a Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild game, or any open world, really. I'm going with Breath of the Wild because this is not, at least as of right now, in the beginning zone. It's not so much in terms of, like, towns and NPCs to talk to. It's a lot of rolling landscapes of varying topographies with hidden dungeons all over the place with unique items and unique bosses at the end of all of them. Just like Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Graphically, the game is incredible. The inclusion of the jump button and the horse mount are radical game changes to the Dark Souls formula. Um, Elden Ring is, I mean, it already has. It's been, everybody loves this game. Um, and I know in my heart of hearts two things. One, I'm going to play this game into the ground. Fighting bosses and exploring and leveling up and going after like the main quests and doing that stuff and moving on to the next zone and the next zone and the next zone. But once I beat this game, I will never play it again. Because the problem with open world like this is that for me, the world is really, really exciting to explore the first time. The ironic thing is, is that if this was a linear game, there may have been more chances for me to play it again. And here's my argument for that. Take Batman Arkham anything. Those are all pretty linear. They have some side quests here and there, depending on which version you're playing, you know. If you're playing Arkham City or um, Arkham Knight, you know, you've got some, some flexibility in terms of, like, what quest you're on. But by and large, that game tells a story, right? And if you really like the game's story like I do with the Arkham games, you might replay it to relive the story, which I have done. Dark Souls doesn't really tell you a story. The story is there if you're willing to hunt it down, which is just makes it such a great candidate for open world because as you explore and uncover more items and encounter more people and find more locations, you uncover more of the story, right? But I am lazy. And I only really want to put in the legwork and hunt this and figure all this shit out one time. Like, the discovery of anything will not be as fulfilling to me the second time as it is the first time. Like, right now, I don't know where anything is. And that's amazing in a game like this. Most of the time, I can't be bothered with, with open world crap. Because most games, open world crap, has a pretty intense story. Take Horizon Forbidden West. There's a lot of story in that game. And there's a lot of open world crap in that game. I cannot be asked to do fucking both. I'm either not going to remember what's going on in the story because I'm too busy dicking around in the overworld. Or I'm too busy paying attention to the story to dick around in the overworld. You know? It's like changing focus. It's like activating the attack camera in uh, Ocarina of Time. The camera changes. Bars appear. Your, your whole thing switches. You've gone from explore mode to attack mode, right? But with Elden Ring, it's such a backseat that all you really have in this game is exploration. And through exploration, you will inevitably continue along the main story. Because after a while, you'll explore every part of the beginning bit, and the only way to go is forward. 
And in case you ever lose your way, there's literally just a trail of gold dust flying through the air that you can follow that leads you where you need to go. But it's the it's the it's the best time to do something like this. Even Breath of the Wild had a similar method to it, you know? You discovered the story and your purpose in Breath of the Wild by looking around and doing shit. And that's why Breath of the Wild is like one of the best open world games out there. Because it understands the best way to tell a story in an open world game. Through discovery and exploration. That's the only way you can do it. So. Grand Theft Auto V. Pretty open world game. But it also goes like, point it, you know, chapter one's here, chapter two's there, chapter three's here. Bang, 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 boom. You follow a linear path. So it's, it takes a rare game in order to get this shit, like, really down pat. And I think Elden Ring is definitely one of those examples. I would not even attempt to provide a rating to this game because I'm not anywhere close to finishing it. Like, I have only defeated, like... Five or six bosses. I will say I did take out the dragon on my first try because the horse is broken as fuck, but it was a blast to do it, so. Is the game hard? I... I don't think so. Like, it really depends on how you play the game. See, I'm a classic sword and board guy. I've got my sword, i got my shield. I block, I swing. I block, I swing. Of course, now I'm running around on horseback slashing at you from saddle um but yeah depending on your play style i think you'll find this game either really challenging or really easy um at least in these in some of these beginning fights have things killed me absolutely but not to the level of sekiro like sekiro broke me i've i've never been so disheartened playing a game ever than i was with sekiro shadows die twice which is such a shame because I love everything about that game. Like the, the exploration with the grapple hook and the world and the sneaking around and all that shit. I thought that was amazing. But I can't parry to save my life. And every boss fight requires you to parry at least a little bit in order to beat them. And if you can't parry because you're, you're stupid and slow, that game absolutely destroyed me. I had to watch people play that game on YouTube in order to get the full experience of Sekiro. Um... And, I mean, it's a great game, but I just, I could, I can't do it. I cannot play that game. I'm bad at platformers and Sekiro. Like, those are my gaming failings. Um, but Elden Ring is so far so excellent. Um, I love the, the, the few bosses I have seen. I love their designs. I think they're creative as hell. I've yet to really quite comprehend the purpose of having George R. R. Martin involved in such a game because right now it feels like any other Dark Souls story um, and I'm not entirely sure what their involvement truly was in this and I'm not really sure when I will know so yeah I don't know maybe we'll find out as I continue speaking of continuing let's move on to the next thing in the podcast You can tell how long it's been since I actually talked about any of this stuff. And I may have talked about this in another episode of the podcast, but I can't fucking remember. Let's talk about Uncharted the movie. You guys remember that? Tom Holland, Marky Wahlberg, Antonio Banderas for like 20 minutes. And um, that's it. Because I don't know any other actors' names in that movie. Now, preface. 
I have not played any of the Uncharted games. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm a Sony shell and I haven't played Uncharted. Get off my butt. I have Uncharted 4 A Thief's End. Because it came free with the PlayStation 4. Um, actually, I don't think I have the game anymore. I think I gave that to my brother when he gave him the PS4. Anyway, I haven't played any of the Uncharted games. So me knowing absolutely nothing going in, I just expected a big dumb action movie with some treasure hunting. Um, and that's exactly what I got. was a big dumb action movie with some treasure hunting. If you like National Treasure, you'll like Uncharted. Essentially, the story goes, you've got Tom Holland. Everybody loves Tom Holland. I don't... The Tom Holland could kill somebody in front of me and I would just be like, Oh my God, you're Tom Holland. Um, you killed Owen Wilson. Or, I don't know. It wouldn't bother me. Um, well, I'd be sad that it was Owen Wilson. I like Owen Wilson. But you get the point. Like, I really like Tom Holland. And um, he and his brother, you know, brother was talking about this this big treasure that was never found. And he's like, I'm going to go find it. And then the brother gets arrested for breaking into a museum. And he goes on the lamb. It's like, I'll come back for you. And then, of course, he never does. Mark Wahlberg shows up and he's like, hey, want to steal a treasure with me? Tom Holland's like, no. And Mark Wahlberg's like, ah, oh, come on. Tom Holland goes, all right. You get, you son of a bitch, I'm in. Uh, and so they go after like some fucking keys and Antonius Banderas is there. And I was like, oh my God, he's playing a villain. I love Antonio Banderas. And Antonio Banderas gets his dad killed or whatever. And there's some other characters who were fine. I can't remember anything about them. It's been a while since I've seen this movie. Anyway, long story short, they go on, go on a very elaborate treasure hunt. A lot of good goofs. A lot of great action scenes. A lot of twists and turns. Nolan North shows up and he's on a beach chair and he, he cracks wise and I thought that was funny. Because obviously he's the voice of Nathan Drake in the fucking game. Um, But yeah, no, it's, it's very good. It's very fun. Usually I use the term fun to describe a movie that I like... As a movie? Not great. It's not a great film. But will you enjoy it? Yes. You will enjoy it. It's dumb fun. It's it's just it's a very pleasant movie to watch. Very easy movie to watch. Stakes are, are fairly high, but like they're not too high. And you got a lot of quips and you got a lot of explosions and you got some treasure and you got some fucking history, he said with air quotes, because it's probably all nonsense. It's just a grand old ride. So if you get the chance to pick it up on like HBO Max or something, I know where it's going to fucking end up. I'd recommend it. I think you'd have a grand old time. It's a grand old movie. It's a high-flying movie and you could watch it anytime it's on a stream. It's a good goddamn time. If you like Uncharted, you'd probably like that movie. And yeah. My next thing your podcast. If you'll indulge my old manniness for just a little bit, I want to reminisce about something that happened fairly recently that until this year I was not aware of when this actually occurred, and that was the Critical Role Anniversary, which apparently is on March 17th, which is the day before my birthday, so I'm amazed that I did not know about this until now. Um, but to the best of my knowledge, they hadn't really made a big deal about it until now, um, which is odd because it sure made a fucking impact, you know, they had this whole big campaign and they talked about it and they had a lot of things leading up to it and of course they played that night and blah 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 but Critical Role has been a part of the world and a part of my life for seven years I hopped on right and early um I was actually so if they started in March I picked it up um later that same year probably like fall to midwinter 
you know, they were a decent way into the first campaign before I picked it up. Like, they were basically riding to um, Whitestone to deal with the Briarwoods when I finally hopped on the bandwagon. You know, back when they were streaming out of the Geek and Sundry Studios. Um, and they actually built the first set not too long after I started watching it. Um, and I've been watching it pretty much on and off ever since. Um, there have definitely been long stints where I didn't watch it. Like, I think there was like a 30 or 40 episode stint in season two where I just completely fell off the bandwagon. And I had to spend weeks, like, getting caught back up. It truly is one of those things, like, you stay on top of that shit, or you're, you're fucked. You're fucked. Um, and even right now, I'm like three episodes behind at, at the current moment. So I need to, I need to buckle down and really get some shiz done, if you know what I mean. Um, but... I mean, I'm the I'm one of the the biggest chills you'll ever see for Critic Role. I will not go so far as to say I'm one of the biggest fans, because um, I personally know some Critical Role fans who put me to shame. Um, but it is such a good piece of entertainment. Like there was a there was a question um, that we were me and my my friends were talking about, just being like, if you could be on any show, like what show would you want to be on? If you could only be in like one episode. And, um, my first answer, because I wasn't thinking, was The Simpsons. Because I was like, fucking everybody and their moms guest starred on The Simpsons at some point, you know. 33 fucking seasons of the show. Chances are you know somebody that was a guest star on it at some point. Um, and so I was like, that would be pretty cool. It was my, my equivalent to, like, being on a chocolate frog card in Harry Potter. Like, you you guest star on The Simpsons. Um, but if I, if I could guest star on Critical Role, I mean, I'd be so fucking starstruck and nervous. I would be so terrible on that show. I would suck so bad on Critical Role. Um, it would it wouldn't even be funny uh, how awful my my performance would be. So it would be very cool to to meet them all. And I mean, I've had ample opportunity. I just never go to the conventions they show up at. Because um, again, I I know I wouldn't really be able to handle it. I'd be so fucking nervous. I'd be like, oh my god, you're Matthew Mercer. I love your stuff. You're really good. Can I just hold you for a little bit? Yeah, you know, that's not going to play well. Um, but I, I do very much enjoy Critical Role, and I'm weirdly proud of them, if that makes sense. Like, they're kind of living the dream, aren't they? They took an idea that they worked together to create and have turned it into a money-generating scheme that probably outdid all of their expectations. Sure as fuck outdid mine. And I am just so fucking proud of them. And I hope they continue to create and evolve for years to come. We've got more animated show to, to watch. We've got more seasons of the show. Critical Role, the actual thing. Um, to to enjoy. This is something that, if you know, if they play their cards right, could go on for, for a very long time. Um, and I, I hope I hope it does. I wouldn't be surprised if we started seeing, like, other parties and other shows, like, under the Critical Role name, you know, begin to start spinning their own tales in Exandria. I think we're probably, like, maybe a season or two away from that, but I will not be surprised if they're like, here's a new round of players, because one of the greatest things to, to do in a situation like this is to franchise and to extend its longevity, because, you know, these players will only want to play for so many years, you know? Could be many years. Could be multiple decades before the Critical Role gang finally calls it quits and they decide to stop playing this game. Um, but 
it'll happen someday. And the best way to start getting ahead of that is to start, you know, bringing in, they already have, if you think about it, starting to bring in some guest stars, some other players. There you got the Exandria Unlimited stuff. So my, my idea isn't too far-fetched, is it? It's not. So do love me some critical role. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. You know what I like to do? Well, I, I, I might rescind that statement after I talk about this, but I went camping recently. And if you were to ask me if I enjoy camping, I'd probably say yeah. But the thing is, is that every time I go camping, I always come back to my house with like a list of things that I want the next time I go camping to make camping more comfortable. Or a list of things to do. So this time around, I went up to North Fork, uh, North Fork, fuck, in Snoqualmie. Um, it's the type of camping site that once you get off the paved road and you start driving through the pothole mud road that is the woods, um, it still takes like an hour to get to the campsite. Um, it's way the fuck in there. Which is weird because, well, it's a nice camping spot. Aesthetically, it's identical to like a dozen other camping spots, but I'm not here to shit talk it. That was at my buddy's invitation and I absolutely love that guy. Um, so it was, uh, the two of us, one of his coworkers... And, um, my, my brother and my sister-in-law, we all went up there separately. Like, we're not fucking carpooling and this nonsense. Um, and we drive up there and we knew the weather was going to be rough ahead of time, right? Because, you know, we're not, we're not stupid. We looked at the weather and we saw that it was going to rain. And so we were just like, okay, well, we'll prepare for that. And me being the person I am, like, I thought back to the last time I was here and it snowed. And I essentially had to dry my tent out, which is rather hard when you live in an apartment and you don't have the physical space for it. I would essentially have had to, like, rebuild the tent in my apartment on top of, like, every towel I own in order for to that thing to air and drip dry in order for it to be stowable, which is an enormous pain in the ass. So I was like, I'm not going to do that this time. I'll just sleep in my car. And one of the reasons I got the Subaru Crosstrek originally, instead of a Subaru Forester, which was my other option, um, was that I could lay down in the Crosstrek at my full extension. I forgot, however, for this camping trip, that that is only possible on the diagonal angle when you lower the back seats. If I sleep, if I'm on the diagonal, I'm good. If it's head to foot, I'm scrunched up because, like, I'm squashed between the seat and the back door, right? It's not long enough for me to... Sleep comfortably that way. But I can on the diagonal. Or better yet, if I actually took the time to, like, lower the passenger seat all the way, then I would have been fine as well, but I didn't. So, here we go. Um, I essentially took all the crap that was in my trunk and shoved it to, like, one side of the car. And I had a nest of every king-sized blanket I own. Which is odd, I admit, because I have a queen mattress. But I, whenever I buy, like, just a blanket to have, I get king. Because it's, like, well, it's, it's bigger. So, I, I have more of it. Um, and plus you can use king size blankets on a fucking bed, you know, it's only an issue with like the fitted sheet. You can put whatever the fuck you want on that, on that goddamn bed. My comforter for my queen bed is a king size comforter. Who cares? It fits because it's bigger. So it just it fits. Um, so yeah, I took all of those king blankets, um, which I thought I had more, but it turns out I only have three. Um, I swear I had more. But, like, it's not... There may be one in my closet. No, that's the other cover. I don't know where the other one is, but I could have sworn I had more. 
So I took those three blankets and two pillows from my bed, which are currently cooling in the dryer right now, um, because I took them camping and I was like, I just want, I'm going to wash these. Um, didn't know until recently you could machine wash pillows. So that's a fun little tidbit. Anyway, took all that shit, brought it down to my car. And, um, I, I basically laid out, uh, I have like a camping blanket that's like an Eddie Bauer. It's like really thin and water resistant. So I laid that down as like a foundation between the car and the blankets. Piled the three blankets kind of long in terms of like a fluffy mattress and then threw the two pillows down and there was my bed. Oh, I also had, um, my brother for my birthday got me, um, a, like a mummy sleeping bag that was good to like zero degrees. So that was what I snuggled in on top of my, my blanket mattress. And so we head out to the woods and I got some rations on the way out. And by some rations, I mean, I bought myself two Subway subs. Um, I had other ideas for food for everybody else, but I decided against it, which in hindsight was a terrible idea. Um, like I wanted to go to Krispy Kreme and get like a dozen donuts. Really should have done that, but I didn't. Um, I also thought about going to Chipotle. Because Chipotle has this amazing ability to, like, if I eat a Chipotle burrito, I'm not hungry for, like, a very extended period of time. Because it's, like, the perfect amount of food to keep me full. Subway was not. Subway, I ate both Subway sandwiches within two hours. And it, I was overstuffed and sleepy, so I took a nap. And then when I woke up again, I was hungry. So Subway kind of screwed me on that. Um, anyway, we head out there and, you know, it starts raining and we're just, you know, we're shooting, we're under a tarp around a fire. You know, we're having a good time drinking a lot of beer, um, just shooting the shit, um, chatting and talking and all that stuff. And I had this brand new chair that I bought myself, um, for, for my birthday. It was, it's called a hammock chair. They sell it at Costco. You basically have like a metallic frame and then the chair sits on like these two poles, um, and you can swing. If you kick your feet up so they're like in your lap, you can swing like really aggressively. Um, dead comfy chair. Thing was only 50 bucks. Fucking excellent purchase. And it's super easy to put together. Takes seconds. Um, and it's super easy to put away. Takes seconds. Big fan of this chair. It's a good camping chair. And as we're sitting there, um, the temperature starts to drop a little bit. And we notice that the rain starts turning into something that I, and I don't think anybody else was prepared for. Snow. It did hail on the way out, but we weren't expecting snow. We knew it was going to be rough, but we didn't know it was going to be that rough. And, um, out of the four vehicles that were there, three of them were going to have people sleeping in them. And one of them, like my buddy has his tent that is built into the bed of his pickup truck. Um, like it has like a canopy and all that stuff, but it's elevated in the, the bed of the pickup truck. Um, and so that's what he was sleeping in. And his big concern was that the weight of the snow might cause the tent to like collapse in on itself. It, it maintains structural integrity in case everybody was wondering, but that was a valid concern. Because this was some wet, heavy snow. And we got about an inch and a half in terms of accumulation over the course of the night. Um, so even though I was in my car, on top of blankets, in a mummy sleeping bag, with proper pillows, um, there was a multitude of things going wrong there. Number one, I was all scrunched up because, like I said, I wasn't sleeping diagonally. So it was impossible for me to get comfortable. And number two, um, like it was cold as all fuck. Because, you know, it's snowing outside. And because I didn't want to have snow end up inside the car, I couldn't crack any of my windows open to get fresh air in. So it got really humid on the inside, too. Very humid and cold led to 
frozen ice on the inside of all of my windows. Which only made the cold worse. So it was a fairly miserable night of sleep. I gotta be honest. And so when I came back from this camping trip, um, you know, my brain instantly goes, we're like, okay, well, what could I do to make my camping trip better and more comfortable? And it's, it's just a never-ending game. Because it's like, I think the best way to camp comfortably is to not camp when it's cold out. Which is difficult to do in Washington. You can even go in the dead of summer. It's probably still going to be a little nippy at night. Probably still going to be a little chilly. Because that's just how it goes. Especially because the tent has the insulating power of a fucking piece of paper. So, what I'm currently looking at, because I just can't stop spending money apparently, are either one of the following. One, some sort of inflatable mattress that fits in the back of my car. Because I feel like that would help a lot compounded with my blankets, compounded with the mattress pad, and then I need some sort of, like, thing I can, like, clip on over my window so that it can stay open so it's not humid on the inside and I get fresh air in without bringing in, like, moisture and shit. You know, rain or snow or whatever the fuck it is. So, looking into something like that. Or I get one of those, like, top-of-the-car camping, camper-like dealy-doos that, like, unfolds into, like, a tent. Um, that, that might help with the elevation and stuff like that. And if it has like mesh windows, then it helps with the air. Um, but as long, it's gotta be like wool lined or something like that to keep the fucking heat in. Um, although if I got a device like that, I would probably just end up buying like the fucking wool fabric myself and stringing it up. So I have like an insulating layer to keep warm inside such a fucking compartment. So that's my thing is that doesn't really like you can only do so much but like the air inside your tent is still gonna be fucking cold and it really needs to be like climate controlled and after after that i'm just like i might as well just fucking stay in a cabin like it's gonna be so much cheaper and so much easier to just go out and stay in fucking cabins where there's running water and there's a heater and there's fucking doors with locks on them and all this fucking stuff and it's just i think that's that's more for me the whole like I'm cool with car camping most of the time. Like, if any of my friends ever go, like, hey, we're going to go backpacking for a couple of days and sleep out, like, way the fuck out there, and all you can bring is the shit you can carry on your back, I'm going to struggle with that big time because I don't have any of that shit for backpacking, and the idea of pulling any sort of maneuver off like that just sounds like a goddamn miserable time. It sounds terrible. So I'm just, I'm just, that's, that life ain't for me. But you know what I will say? is that this podcast has been a lot of fun. It's nice to catch up on uh, on all the thousands of goings-on in my world. And I know I've been really lax about the, the audiobooks since I stopped doing a chapter of a day. Um, and that's true. I have been very lax. Um, but I've, I've made a commitment to start reading again. Um, so hopefully I'll have something for you all very soon to listen to. And in the meantime, I hope you're all staying safe. Um, staying well. Um, I don't know about your respective areas of living, but I know in my neck of the woods they have removed any sort of mask restriction on indoor situations. Obviously, the individual building can maintain its mask rules up to the the sole proprietor owner's discretion. Um, But by and large, I'm seeing a lot less masks out there. Um, And it feels weird, but it also feels kind of nice to... I have to worry about it. Am I still wearing a mask in public? 
Yeah, by and large. But that's also because I feel like a little sniffly and I'm just trying to help others as much as myself. Thank you all very much for listening. And I'm going to go get my pillows out of the dryer. I'm going to go splash some water in my face because i got a couple more things to do tonight. And I'll talk to you all next time. Have a good one, everyone.